Welcome to the Cochrane Trainees Podcast, brought to you by Cochrane UK, inspiring medical and dental trainees to engage in evidence. This is the first in a series of six conversations coming to you every two weeks. We hope you enjoy. So hello, my name is Rachel. I'm here from the Cochrane UK Trainees Committee. I'm here with Anna Nolstall, um, who is the, I suppose, founder of the Cochrane Crowd. Well, oh, yeah, I never really thought of myself as founder. I think probably um, I would describe myself as a co-lead on the Cochrane Crowd project. Mm-hmm. So I co-lead it with um, Chris and other games, who is the head of um, and chief information officer for Cochrane. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what Cochrane Crowd is? Yeah, so Cochrane Crowd is Cochrane's new citizen science platform, and what it does is it offers a range of very uh, carefully defined tasks, which we call micro-tasks, that contributors can come along and help with. And all of those tasks are aimed at um, identifying health evidence and describing it. Do you need any prior experience to do that? No, one of the things that I really love about Crowd, and it's a really important part of Crowd, is that we welcome anybody who wants to contribute and is able to. So you don't need any prior experience. Um, We have built training modules for each of the tasks. We have kept those training models deliberately brief. We've made them interactive and they guide the contributors through the main aspects of what it is we're looking for for that task. And they don't have to pass it either. And that was always a really important thing to my mind as well. I didn't want to bring in pass marks for these training models. You could do the training module, you can get everything wrong, you can redo it, you can progress to live records and still learn while you're doing. And one of the other great things about Crowd um, compared to the sort of previous version of the project is that you're now able to look at the records that you've screened and look at your decisions and compare them with the final decision that was made. So you're able to kind of learn and progress that way as well. So you're getting feedback as you're exactly. doing Exactly. One, I think it's a really important aspect. Feedback in general is critical in, in a sort of system like this. So if we can automate or semi-automate as much of that feedback as possible and make sure that it's meaningful, then that is absolutely fantastic. And that's one way we can do it because we have those final decisions and we know what your decision was, so we can show you you know, how you're doing, filter by, I only want to see the records where my decision disagreed with the final decision, and you can have a look at those records and see, what is it I'm getting wrong here? Am I getting confused with a kind of case control instead of a randomised trials? I think um, one of the challenges for trainees wanting to get involved with research and with Cochrane reviews, maybe in particular, is that they're often very time poor. Um, so I was wondering how you thought Cochrane Crowd, Yeah. how does it address that issue? Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why it was created, is because um, for a long time, I think, really the main way that people could contribute to Cochrane was as an author of a Cochrane Review, with all that that entails. I mean, that is a huge time and, um, well, intense learning curve. I mean, it's a huge time-intensive time task. So Cochrane Crowd was really created as a way to provide new ways to contribute uh, that are really flexible. You can dive in and do five minutes, or you can do five hours. Um, You can do a range of different tasks, um, and some of them are harder than others, and we've done that deliberately as well, and quite wanted to create a sort of progression pathway so that you would start off with something relatively straightforward, but Again, it has to be a needed, you know, a needed task yeah. for Cochrane. 
and then you could unlock tasks that perhaps are a little bit more challenging or a little bit more in-depth. So I suppose, I mean, there's a big gulf in between knowing, being able to screen a paper and being able to author a review. So are you taking steps to do sort of progression through all of this? Well, I think that's a really interesting notion and I would love to think that we could do that. So I'm very keen to explore how far can we go with still keeping with the idea that you're breaking needed tasks down so that you're still making it incredibly um, easy to contribute. Is, it, is your Wi-Fi still on? Yeah. Um, but yes, can we can we go all the way in terms of getting the crowd to start doing maybe data extraction, uh, risk of bias assessments? Those things are definitely going to be more challenging in terms of creating the net, you know, creating a crowd task for that and creating agreement algorithms that will sit behind that. But I'm up for trying, and I think, you know, from what I hear when I talk about crowd and present at conferences, that's what other people are wanting to try as well and see how can we actually do this in a crowd model. What sort of teaching materials are you using for your? For your not modules, but for your modules so far. Yeah. Well, we make, so for each of the tasks that we have, we actually use real life research records yeah. as the basis for our training. So the training is exactly the same as the task itself. Um, so, for example, in the RCT identification task, it's made up of 20 what were real records that were really screened by the crowd, and for each one we. We ask the contributor, you know, what do you think this study design is? Is it an RCT? Is it not an RCT? Are you unsure? And they make a decision and then they get some commentary on that decision as to why it is an RCT or why it isn't. And how do you envisage those the learning sort of exercises? How do you envisage doing that for the more complex tasks? Well, definitely it does get more complex in terms of providing um, training that is, on the one hand, brief uh, and not too dull, because I really think it's a shame when you have this urge to contribute, but first you've got to do this really lengthy, boring yeah. training module. Um, so I think keeping it as interactive as possible is really important. For example, a task that we have uh, that we're just about to roll out, which is a, a PICO task. So this is where we're going to get contributors to extract the key characteristics of a trial. The training module there, again, it's using real records, a real example, a citation that we would want uh, PICO annotated. But it was much more complex to put together, I have to say. Um, it still works the same way as the RCT identification task in that you get to your first question, which is, you know, what is the sex of the participants? And you have your pick list choices and you've got one for one, male and female, and then it'll come up with some commentary and tell you, yes, um, we can we can understand that this trial was in both men and women. Um, well done. It Sometimes it won't always report it explicitly, but if it's inferred, then this is okay to go for our option. So we do try and, yeah, provide just as much as much guidance as you need at that point and you go on through and you get a little bit more each time and then you go out into the live environment and you do it for real 
and that's fine to still get some things wrong because as I said you get that feedback mechanism coming through in your history. Follow us on Twitter at Cochrane UK and join the conversation with hashtag Cochrane Trainees. Cochrane UK, trusted evidence, informed decisions, better health. So if you sign up to Cochrane Crowd, how exactly, take me through what happens when you first sign up and first start using it. Yeah, so when you first um, sign up, you're instantly kind of triaged to the training module, for you, and it would be for any task, you, you have to do the training first, it is mandatory, but as I said, you don't have to pass it. At the moment, we have it that everyone who signs up to Crowd has to do the randomised controlled trial identification task yeah. first, and that's because that is, um, that's proved to be a very successful first task so far. I think there are probably other things that we could think about introducing that might be slightly easier because I still think that is that quite a challenging task for people who are completely new mm-hmm. to the whole area of evidence-based medicine. But once you sign up you have to do the mandatory training which is those 20 interactive practice records and then as soon as you've done that um, another little button appears that says right ready to start screening and that's when you go into the kind of live, live environment and start real records you can redo the training as much as you like we have other training batches as well that you can have a, have a go at as well if you change your mind about something can you go back in you can you can i mean we debated for a while about whether or not we should allow people to go back and change their minds um there is a cutoff because once a record has received the right number of classifications it goes out of the system yeah. so you can't go back if it's already grabbed and someone else makes a decision, you know, and it gets the number of decisions. Yeah. But if you're in a session and you click a button and say, oh, oh no, I didn't mean that, you can just go back and change your mind. And one thing that I think is quite important to trainees is whether or not they get recognition at the end of doing tasks. Yeah, which is completely understandable. Um, so things, the rewards that we've offered so far um, really just include, uh, we're very happy to produce certificates, we're very happy to produce um, a letter describing the amount of, you know, screening that the trainee has done and to give a breakdown of their performance if that's what they'd like. So we're, we're really happy to do that. I think we would like to, to explore in more detail appropriate rewards and accreditation. I think it's a really important area and I can completely understand uh, why trainees would, would want that because they want to bulk up their CV and yeah, demonstrate their, their, the skills that they've learned. So at the moment you are able to get recognition for it but you're working towards having a more formal, I suppose, more yeah, formal system. It's a that. more formal system but also a more automated one. At the yeah. moment it's relatively manual. If, if somebody wants recognition then I'll have a look um, at how, how they've done, you know, have they yeah. actually done some screening. Yeah. Uh, and, and download a certificate for them with the details. Yeah. Never miss a podcast. Sign up for the Cochrane Trainees Digest at uk.cochrane.org forward slash trainees. Uh, why do you think this is a good idea? This is a good idea because this enables us to really keep up with the data deluge. So the amount of research that is now published um, 
has increased exponentially over the last decade or two. And I think all information organisations like Cochrane will struggle to keep up um, if we're all if we all continue to sort of operate, if you like, in silos, yeah. where for each and every research question that we have, we, you know, identify thousands of potential search results and screen them, you know, all the way through. What this model does is say, right, actually, randomised controlled trials are of uh, interest to almost all Cochrane reviews that are produced. Let's try a slightly more in one respect, central way of identifying them that is actually totally distributed. It's actually making use of anyone who wants to contribute and help us find those trials. So we've been able to run incredibly sensitive searches in biomedical databases and get people to screen and find those reports that would have, that may have otherwise been missed because we are getting the crowd not to find the easy ones, they're finding the trickier reports, they're finding the reports that have not already been indexed as a randomised controlled trial. Um, and so this model really begins to move us towards uh, quite an exciting position where we can be really responsive and, and, and have this increasingly comprehensive repository of randomised trials that yeah. we can go to to find the evidence much more quickly. And if I wanted to look at, for example, if I'm interested in child health, yeah. childhood asthma, um, and for me, I think for my CV, I would like to have that I've done some, I've helped with a, sure. randomized, uh, with a review on childhood asthma. How do, am I able to tailor my work to that? Yeah, yeah, this is some, a feature that we knew people would want to do, and so in Crowd, um, once you've done the mandatory training, which is pretty generic, um, you can then go into your settings and you can add keywords and terms of interest to you. So you would add asthma and, and all sorts of things that you would want to, to look at. And then if we've got records that match that criteria, you get those. If we haven't, or if we've run out of those, you know, because we're, we, we operate on a sort of batch system, then you don't get them, but it remembers your preferences for next time. And so yeah. when another batch is loaded, those records will come your way. And we've had really positive feedback about that, actually. Yeah. I think it's something we want to... I think we want to make it a bit more obvious to contributors that you can do that, actually. At the moment, yeah. it's not so obvious. You have to go to your settings. But once you're there, it's very easy just to add some keywords. And I suppose you're, you've talked a bit about getting feedback in terms of your individual performances and how many papers you've screened, how accurate you've been. Do the contributors get feedback on when their review gets published? Oh, well, that's, um, yeah, they don't because at the moment the task is set up so that they're feeding a central repository. It might be that they did, they play a part in identifying a trial that went on to be included in a Cochrane review. And I don't really see any reason why we can't track that yeah. and feed that back. And I think that would be a really nice thing to do. So I think we should we should definitely explore doing that because that is all about helping demonstrate contributor impact, yeah. which is really a really important motivation actually. Otherwise, you can feel that you're a little bit like, why why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, what what's the relevance? How have I made a difference? Well, you've made a difference because you found a trial that went on to be included. Another area that we are developing at the moment that kind of makes that link a bit more obviously is we want to enable it so that Cochrane review groups 
can upload their own search results for their specific reviews to crowd and invite either their own crowd or the crowd to screen them. And in that case, there would be a very direct yeah. link because the crowd would actually be screening for RCTs for a specific yeah. review. And we did a pilot just last week, in fact, two pilots, so two review groups bravely offered their search results up and we posted them on Copper and Crowd and I uh, sent out an email to everyone who'd screened over 200 citations in Crowd and within, well, within about 24 hours one review was done Wow. and within <laughs> three days the other one was done That's and over 500 people took part and yeah, it's really a phenomenal uh, effort. effort yeah. yeah. And how do you see, I mean, do would any of these people get acknowledged as an author? In the well, it's really important that um, if you're going to have authorship, that you it, it, it complies with Cochrane's authorship policy. Yeah. But I think that there's it, it does open the possibilities for for you know um, assigning appropriate acknowledgement yeah. and potentially authorship. <laughs> and actually, with one of the reviews, we. Um, were able to offer authorship to the top screener. So we don't know who that is yet. I need to look at the data. The crowd did it too quickly, and then I've come to this conference. So I have to say, just just give us a moment to uh, to, to settle back and look at the data. But um, the other review was offering acknowledgement for everyone who screened over 250 records. Well, yeah. And I think that 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 clearly acted as a strong motivator as well, because these are things we're exploring. You know, we want to know what it is. That, that we can do and that we can offer and what it is that actually, you know, really makes a big difference in terms of people jumping on very quickly and yeah, screening away. Uh, so if someone did want to sign up, how would, where would they go? So they have to go to Crowd, which is simply at crowd.cochrane.org. Crowd.cochrane.org. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Alex. It's really, really interesting to talk to you about, about this project. Um, I think it, it's a really good way for trainees to get involved in a sustainable and manageable way. Exactly. I, I really couldn't agree more. And I, you know, it's really exciting to see our uh, sort of contributor base grow. And I, I hope we'll have lots of trainees sign up to Crowd because they really can make a big difference. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the Trainees Project, go to uk.cochrane.org forward slash trainees or follow us on Twitter at Cochrane UK. Thank you. This podcast was presented by Rachel, produced by Jack and narrated by me, Farrow. Join us next time.